Welcome to our online service today. I'm glad you joined us. We desperately need God's perspective to have the best life we can live. God weaves his reality into the fabric of life, and we either line up with his reality or we don't. It's definitely to our advantage to accept and align with his reality. How you view life is a matter of perspective. Let's watch this video about trash art together. Imagine taking all your old toys, broken CDs, and things most people would toss in the trash and turning them into something like this, or this. This is Tom Dininger, sculptor behind these 3D collages. He travels the world collecting objects that will bring these sculptures to life. And the thing that inspires him is junk and lots of it. So he began piecing that waste together to make something totally new. Depending on where you're standing, the new sculptures can look wildly different. Depending on where you're standing, those sculptures look very different. In a similar way, depending on our perspective, decisions look very different to us. It's an advantage to get God's perspective, but God doesn't think like we do. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is no way we can figure out God's thoughts on our own. They must be revealed to us. Thankfully, God has revealed all the thoughts, all of his thoughts we need in the Bible. Deuteronomy 22. 29 says, 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed to us belong to us and our children forever, that we may do the words of the law. The Hebrew word for revealed in this passage means to have information be made known. God hasn't revealed everything to us, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but he has revealed enough of his truth and principles so we can live by them. The secret things that have been revealed belong to us, and that's a really good thing. God has given us all that we need to know to gain his perspective on life and Line up our choices with his perspective. And we focus on doing all the words of the law. God has given us all this perspective that we need to guide our lives. Therefore, good decisions flow from a grip on reality as God sees it. God's will is the bedrock 
of reality. A theme verse for this series is Ephesians 5.17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We're looking at the decades of life in this series so that we can understand God's will in each of the decades and make the most of that decade. It's hard for us humans to live for God's will. It's like there's a strong pull of the current of a river coming against us, and we we typically want to live for ourselves. This means we have to wrestle within ourselves to choose to do God's will. The reality that God has woven into life either helps us or hurts us based on our perspective. If we go with God's view of things, we get blessed. If we don't, we suffer. One important aspect of reality is that God made us and he has given us limitations for us to live within. We, we need to accept the reality of our limitations so we can run to our strengths. God built both our limitations and our strengths into us, and we do well to settle in and accept our limitations. However, we tend to envy the strengths of others and get intimidated when we compare ourselves with other people. This discourages us and makes us feel defeated because God didn't give us the strengths that others have. There is no wisdom in comparing ourselves to others. Second Corinthians 10, 12 and 13 says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, They are without understanding. The right measuring stick for us as individuals is the potential that God has given us, not the potential he has given anybody else. We need to be the best that we can be. We need to focus on being the best so we can accomplish what through the strengths that God has given us, what he's assigned for us to accomplish in life. Christianity, it's interesting, is both an individual and a team sport. As an individual Christian, you want to reach your full potential before God. Like marathon runners, we need to try to do our personal best a personal record each day, and over time, we will grow. Also, we we don't run an individual race in a crowd like these guys are. We live the Christian life out in the church community that helps us to grow to our full potential. As we work together in church life, we grow. Basketball teams, or any sports team for that matter, works together toward a common goal. In the same way, the church community works together 
to accomplish the mission God has given us. We need both aspects of this to focus on our personal relationship with God as we live in the church community together. And if we do that, we grow together. The church community is a tremendous help to to grow us. It's hard to do this, but when we accept our limitations as from the hand of God, we do well. Verse 13 says, But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned us to reach even to you. An important important part of growing up is learning our limitations. Parents really help their kids by not exaggerating their abilities. I, I cringe when I see that moms and dads have told their kids that they have a great voice and it's apparent in the audition that they don't. That's that's really hard. Learning our strengths and limitations is such an important part of growing up. Parents, you serve your kids well when you help them figure out their limitations by being honest with them. As we age, we must face and reconcile more limitations than we used to. Um, This is something we deal with more in later decades. There are three aspects of reality that impact us. First of all, physical reality. There are physical limitations that we have that we must acknowledge and accept. I'm not a fast runner. I'm not a great singer. I wasn't made for those things. I was made for other things. As we get older, certain realities set in. I was an athlete when I was younger. But the reality is I can't pull sports off in the same way today that I could when I was in my teens or 20s. A second aspect of reality is that we're human. We are in no way superhuman. We shouldn't expect to be. We are just humans. Friedrich Nietzsche said, I teach you beyond man, superman. Man is something that shall be surpassed. What have you done to surpass him? That is going to be a futile effort. Nietzsche ended up with a philosophy of nihilism. There is absolutely no meaning to life. So we're on our own. But the thing is, we're not subhuman. We are humans, which is a glorious thing. God has given us a dignity as humans above all the creatures on the earth. He, he has given us a special place in creation. And we need to take that place. But we also do well if we accept the limitations of our human existence. Let's watch this video 
uh, on the search for the fountain of youth. There's a saying long attributed to the playwright George Bernard Shaw that youth is wasted on the young. And while Shaw may not have said those exact words, the sentiment they convey, the, the longing to preserve the vitality of youth is just about as old as our ability to write about it. 2,500 years ago, the great Greek chronicler Herodotus wrote of remote villages whose populace bathed in special waters and lived to be 120. And across the ages, the legend of such a fountain of youth persisted. It may be, in fact, that the Spanish settlement of Florida was an unintended consequence of Juan Ponce de Leon's search for such a fountain somewhere in the Caribbean. Now, a cursory look at Florida's population suggests that the search has yet to succeed. But today, the search for a metaphorical fountain of youth has the weight of science behind it. Scientists are looking for uh, a fountain of youth rather than accepting our limited lifespan. That's a waste of time. I saw a 60 Minutes or a 2020 segment where people only ate 1,100 to 1,400 calories in an attempt to extend their life. I, I'm not so desperate to live a long life that I don't want to enjoy my life. And food is a good, uh, a big part of what I enjoy in life. All the people on the doctor documentary I saw, the segment of 60 Minutes or 2020 I saw, they looked gaunt. They did not look that healthy. Besides, I'm convinced that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. Third, there are spiritual realities that impact us. Spiritual warfare is real, and we need to be alert and get prepared for it, or it wipes us out. If you walk with God through life, he will give you victory over the enemy. What all this means is that I must respond to God in faith as I deal with the realities of this life on earth. Here are some key aspects of my faith response that aligns with God's reality. As we live in today's world, it is very difficult to focus on the present. There, there are all kinds of distractions. However, good relationships and doing well at work are so important for getting the most out of life that it's best if we can deal with the distractions and focus on the here and now. Here's a family at dinner, and they're not connecting. This is tragic, and we see this all the time at restaurants. They could be enjoying time together, but they're not. They're not building their relationship in any way, shape, or form. And families, God has given us all things to enjoy, including family life. And he, he wants to help us do that. There is so much information flying by and so much opportunity for distraction that it is a real challenge to focus 
on the present. So it's crucial that I choose this response. I choose to focus on the present and not worry about tomorrow. I say the time is now. Jesus made this brilliant statement in Matthew 6:34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It, it takes everything in me not to get into haste, because the world has sped up so much in our time. We, we are needing to process more information than in any time in history. Isaiah 28.16 says that whoever walks by faith will not be in haste. If I deal with trouble, the trouble of today, God will give me the grace to handle the trouble of tomorrow. That's the promise. That's what Jesus is saying here. I know that God will give me all I need to handle the trouble of this day so I can take one day at a time, and that helps me to calm down. We must refuse to run what-if scenarios in our minds and choose a faith response to God so that we can focus on today. Another truth of Scripture is that you, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So you might as well enjoy today. We can be wildly overconfident in our plan, planning. James 4, 13 through 15 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If we have learned anything from the last two years of the pandemic, it's that our plans can change in a moment's time. We are way less confident in our planning and execution than prior to 2020. We put a solid plan together as a church for 2020, and most of it never happened. But God kept moving the mission forward. He accomplished it anyway. Proverbs says that the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And that's what we've experienced throughout the pandemic. God is in control of our lives, and he will fulfill his purpose for us. Second faith response, I must see the present situation from God for me to grow and to do good. I say, this is from God. Job was struck by calamity, and he lost almost everything. He was a wealthy man, and the first thing you read in the book of Job that happened was that all his servants were attacked by Sabaeans and killed, except one who delivered the message that his oxen and donkeys were stolen. 
And he had a lot of oxen and donkeys. Next, the fire of God fell from the sky and burned up his vast number of flocks and herds. And then his camels were stolen by Chaldeans who carried them off. And the final blow was that all his sons and daughters were feasting at the older brother's house. And a mighty wind swept in from the desert and the house collapsed and killed all his children. Here's the advice his wife gave him. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job chose a faith response. There are many circumstances in life that we don't want. But in faith, we do better to accept the circumstances as from the hand of God. When there is nowhere to turn, I turn to God in faith. Finally, I act wisely and and exactly by God's word. I say his will comes first. My greatest challenge through my years on earth and your years on earth will be to act in line with God's will in this present situation. My focus in the here and now should be to do the will of God in this moment of time. Life flows situation by situation, and it's crucial that we make our number one priority doing the will of God. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You prosper in life by doing the will of God that he has received in Scripture, or that he has revealed in Scripture. The word prosperous is from a root word, a Hebrew root word, that means to push forward. So, Basically, what this passage is saying is that if you do the will of God, what he's written in his word, you make the right kind of progress by doing that. Notice the phrase, be careful to do according to all that is written in it. This perspective is repeated in our theme passage, Ephesians 5, 15, 17. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The passage starts out, look carefully how you walk. And as I said last week, the word carefully in the original Greek is akrobos, acrobat. That's where we get our word, acrobat. Sloppy acrobats are foolish because they will die in the performance if they're careless. 
The fact is that wisdom is wrapped up in obeying the word of God. It is incredibly wise to obey him. Foolishness is not doing the will of God. We're not foolish if we seek to understand God's will. In each situation, our number one concern should be to do the will of God. This way, we will build a life that honors God, the God who made us, and we can experience the best life possible as we do his will. We need to adopt this perspective, which is God's perspective. Each situation that flows through your life is an opportunity from God to grow you. If you choose to rely on him, he will grow you. Our circumstances are hairy at times. Often, often they're like riding a roller coaster emotionally. But they are no accident. God wills them for your good. He wants the pressure we're under and our frustrations to lead us to him, to rely on him, to trust in him, to walk by faith. In the midst of the flow of life, if we choose God's perspective by living in his reality, do his will, and turn to him, he will prosper us. That's the promise we find in Scripture. What has God said to you today? I want to encourage you to follow through and do what God has spoken to you in his word today. I have some next steps I've suggested. There may be others that you want to take, but the Bible says the blessing is found in doing the Word of God. That's why we take the time to do the next steps every week. So here's are my suggestions. First of all, maybe you've been wrestling within yourself to choose God's will and God's way, and you need to commit to doing God's will over my my own will. It, it's definitely a wrestling match to do that. And then another step, ask God to help you deal with an aspect of reality that I haven't been dealing with. I've been avoiding it. Circle one of these in your mind. Physical, human, or spiritual. And then finally, accept my limitations as God's will for my life. I think those things will really help you as you step out to follow God this week. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your kindness. You have given us, you've revealed your truth in your word and your truth belongs to us, your people. And I thank you so much for the way that you have blessed us and helped us and lead us. Give us the strength to take these next steps that you've laid on our hearts today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.